Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode of Hope Along the Journey. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, your host, and it's a delight to have you with us for these next few minutes as we talk about a subject that I think is extremely important. And that topic today is why we struggle to have a praying life. Why do we struggle to have a prayer life? Why do we struggle to have a praying life? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. First of all, I just want to give an explanation for the quality of my voice. If some of you follow me on Facebook, you know that I have recently had an upper respiratory infection and have been fighting with uh, problems with asthma. And due to the illness and the medication that I had to take to get over it, it has basically taken my voice away. So I do apologize that today you've got to bear with this very whispering, raspy voice. But I pray that in spite of the poor quality of my voice today, that God will use this podcast and broadcast to be a source of encouragement to you. As I mentioned, I want to talk today about why do we struggle to have a prayer life, or why do we struggle to have a praying life? It's undoubtedly true that most Christians would say that they really do desire to have a meaningful prayer life. But far too often, many, including you and I at times, find ourselves defeated, discouraged, maybe even a bit disillusioned when it comes to this very important area of our lives. There are staggering statistics out there that show that this struggle for prayer time and prayer life is real. In fact, the statistics tell us that Christians spend, on an average, including meals, only about three to seven minutes a day in meaningful prayer. It's a good thing we eat three times a day. It? <laughs> 52% of those who pray do so, they said, several times throughout the day. 37% say they only pray once a day. 2% say they pray audibly with another person or in a small group. And 2% say they pray collectively with a local church. However you want to interpret these numbers, they're staggering when you think about them, and really do open up this matter of the importance of having a praying life or having a prayer life. During the month of January, we're going to be dealing with the matter of prayer because I think at the beginning of this new year, as we start the year, probably right up there with our study of the Word and our reading of God's Word, is this matter of spending meaningful time, learning to spend time with God in prayer, not only in a, in a specific time, 
But learning to live a life of prayer in which we are engaged with God in prayer as we move through the day. At the church where I pastor, this Sunday we're going to begin launching a 21-day of prayer that is going to go through our congregation and all across the denomination that I am part of. A special emphasis on prayer and fasting will be promoted through the local church. I also would love to see throughout the month of January, through Hope Along the Journey, a real emphasis and push in this matter of us developing a meaningful life of prayer, because I think it's so vitally important in all of our lives. So for a little while, let's just talk. Let's just talk today. I've got my tea here with uh, ginger and lemon. Oh, man, i got to get some honey to put in there to see if I can keep make it for the next few minutes. But let's talk for a little while about this matter of why do we struggle in this area? Do you ever struggle? I do. I'll just be honest with you. This probably, this is the area I struggle the most in, is keeping this matter of my prayer life, a life of prayer in the forefront. It seems like I do well for an extended period of time, and then it wanes for whatever reason, or I kind of seem to get off focus, and then I have to bring myself back again. So here at the beginning of the year, new year, maybe it's a great time for all of us to refocus when it comes to prayer. So let's talk about this struggle, because I believe it's real to all of us. First of all, I think we struggle because we don't view having a prayer life as an absolute and indispensable necessity. Now, I think some of us would recoil from that statement, but let's really think about it and unpackage it for a moment. I'd really think that while we might say that up front, our lives would prove that we don't see it as an absolute and indispensable necessity. It would be in our minds and hearts, we think, wow, it would be wonderful to have a, a praying life. It would be wonderful to have a meaningful prayer life with God. It'd be wonderful to, if I could have this, but you know, it's probably only for an elite few, or it's only probably for some people that have a lot more time than I have, or less responsibilities than I have, or are more spiritually mature than I am. And so we kind of brush it off, not realizing that this matter of having a praying life is not just a luxury, it is a necessity. It's something that is indispensable in our lives, we will not do well in our walk with God if we do not have a meaningful prayer life going on. It's, it's going to impact us in a hundred different ways. And so I think sometimes we just don't see it as essential, as absolutely indispensable. I just don't think we see it as a necessity. Secondly, and this is a little hard to swallow maybe, but I think sometimes Pride and self-sufficiency hinder us from having a real, meaningful prayer life. You say, Mark, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean this. Uh, we live in a culture that prides itself in self-sufficiency. We, we really do. Uh, we, we live in a culture in which 
you know, we brag about how we do it and how we did it on our own, and we're we're very self-sufficient in many ways. I think this this creeps into, especially for us as Americans who live with such affluency and who pride ourselves in self-sufficiency, I, I think this matter, it bleeds into our lives more than we want to admit. We, we are not humble, we are proud. We are not dependent, we are self-sufficient. We mistakenly believe that we have enough gifts and enough goods that we can do this on our own. Now, again, none of us are going to say that. None of us are going to want to painfully admit that. But often we are much like the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation that says, you know, we're increased with goods and we have need of nothing. We can do this on our own. And and what the Lord is, says to them is, you know, what you don't see that I see is that you're miserable, poor, blind, naked. You are absolutely needy and you don't see yourselves as needy. And I think because we we do not see the need for prayer, because we feel like we can do it on our own, I think that often hinders us in this matter of having a prayer life. It's so important that I think we come to grips with this. In his book, A Praying Life, Paul E. Miller says, one of the most subtle hindrances to prayer is probably the most pervasive. In the broader culture and in our churches, we prize intellect, competency, and wealth. Because we can do life without God, praying seems nice but unnecessary. Money can do what prayer does, and it is quicker and less time-consuming. Our trust in ourselves and on our talents makes us structurally independent of God. And as a result, exhortations to pray just don't stick. End of quote. That's a powerful quote, isn't it? Wow. I think there's another reason why I think we struggle to pray, and that is that we too often fail to see the seriousness of the spiritual warfare that surrounds us at all times. We fail to see the seriousness of the spiritual warfare that surrounds us at all times. I I think sometimes, again, maybe more for us here in America than in other countries where they seem to see the powers of darkness more visibly at work, whether that be through witchcraft or voodoo or whatever it may be. I think here in America, we're we're almost blinded to the reality that there is a titanic spiritual struggle going on for the hearts and souls of every one of us. And I don't think we see the seriousness of the spiritual warfare that surrounds us. Maybe you've read Screwtape Letters, a powerful book written by C.S. Lewis a number of years ago. But in this book, Screwtape is trying to train his demon apprentice named Wormwood. And in the book, he makes this statement Screwtape does to Wormwood. He says these words to him. Interfere at any price, in any fashion, when people pray. For real prayer is lethal to our cause. Interfere at any price, in any fashion, when people pray. For real prayer is lethal to our cause. 
And again, I don't think we see the seriousness of the spiritual warfare that's going on. I, I personally, my friends, I you know, I appeal to all of you, but especially to those of you, you know, with who are married. You know, Satan is out to destroy our marriages. He's out to wreck our homes. He, he he's out to deceive and to destroy and and cause us to make choices that are going to be devastating and have long-term negative results possibly in our lives. He's out to destroy the family. He's out to destroy our children. You need to be praying much, praying regularly, praying daily for your children, that God would hover over their lives, that he would keep them from the evil one. You, you have no clue. Honestly, let's, let's just all be honest. Did any of our parents really fully understand what any of us were involved in during our days of our youth? <laughs> I mean, they may have thought they knew, but they didn't know everything that was going on, every influence that was coming into our life. And so it is with our children. We don't know every influence and everything that may be trying to penetrate into the soul of our children to rob them away from God and His kingdom. So we really need to understand that this matter of having a prayer life is so critical because of the seriousness of the spiritual warfare that surrounds us in our culture, in the media. You know, every time your child clicks on that computer, there is always that potential danger. Every time they look on their phone, there's always that potential danger of someone, somebody trying to lead them astray. And behind all of that, of course, is the work of the evil one. Another reason I think that we fail to have a personal prayer life and we struggle here is is because of time management and discipline issues. Time management and discipline issues. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a big one. Uh, I've I've taught a class in a college for a number of years called Doctrine and Practice of Prayer, and when I would ask students, you know, what what do you think is one of the biggest reasons why we struggle? You know, this would come up oftentimes in the first two or three responses. Uh, often, sometimes even the first response would be, "We're just not disciplined." We don't manage our time well. We just, our lives are just kind of out of control and we're not really in control of our time. We're not exercising the personal discipline it needs, it we need to, to have a meaningful prayer time or prayer life. Now, none of us like this word discipline, but the truth of the matter is that nothing of value ever comes into our lives without a measure of discipline, a measure of training a measure of commitment in our lives. And I really think that if we're going to establish a praying life, there's, then we're going to have to implement some disciplines in our lives. We're going to have to implement some godly habits in our lives and begin to structure in uh, not only just time alone with God on a daily basis, but learning to discipline and train ourselves to interact with God throughout the day in conversation and prayer. I think that's so important, but oftentimes, yeah, personal discipline and lack of time management skills, they really do cause us to struggle. Another reason that I think we struggle in this matter of having a prayer life or a praying life is because we see it as regimental and not as relational. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I I think a lot of us struggle with this on and off through the years, probably early on even. You know, we all heard 
<clears throat> the need for a prayer life. We all realized that a, that a praying life was something that every Christian should have. And so what we did was we, we just we set ourselves to do to pray like brushing our teeth or like you know vacuuming out our car once a week or straightening up our room once a week. I hope you do that. Uh, you know, it just became one more. It became a checklist item, a regimen, a duty that we needed to perform. Now, again, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that there isn't an element of regimen or duty, just as I mentioned before, discipline and training. There's not an element of that. There certainly is, and you're not going to have a praying life without it. But if all we see this as is as some kind of um, regimen and not as a relationship with God, then prayer is going to be only a duty. It's never going to be a delight in our life. It's always going to be something we check off and do the checkbox, but we never develop that meaningful, intimate relationship that we long for and that we need with the God who created us and the God who saved us through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And so I think we need to start looking at prayer as being highly relational. You know, it's to me, <clears throat> and I've and I've I've heard others say this before that that prayer ought to be as common conversation with God ought to be as common as conversation with others in that it should not be something strange, weird, or or, or something that is put on, but it should be natural conversation with God. I think that's important. I re- I really think that is. It's like sitting around the table and having a conversation. You know, after I love those times when we've had the meal, then we push away, and then we get the coffee, maybe even a good slice of pie, and then we just have this great conversation. We we just talk about whatever is on our hearts. We talk openly. We talk honestly. You know, I love when my children are in, and my son-in-laws, and the family, and we just all sit and then we laugh or we cry or we have, you know, we have this conversation and we're just talking about real life stuff. You know, the God of the universe wants to hear your voice and he wants to have a relationship with you in which you really talk about real life stuff. What's going on in your life? What's happening? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? And again, if it just is a regimen, a checkbox, we never get to that relational aspect of conversing with God. I think also another reason, and I'm going to hurry on through this list, is that we see our Heavenly Father too often through the paradigm of a distant or dysfunctional earthly father relationship. Yeah, I think sometimes we struggle with having a prayer life because we see our Heavenly Father through the paradigm of a distant or dysfunctional earthly father relationship. I have... I've just done way too much pastoral counseling. I've talked to way too many people across the years. And you may agree, you may disagree, and that's okay. But I have come to see that a child's relationship with their father has such a powerful effect on how they interpret and view their relationship with their heavenly father. If you were in a relationship that a home where your father was distant, 
uh, dysfunctional, or even worse yet, abusive, there are probably going to be some struggles in your prayer life in praying to a heavenly Father who you cannot see without somehow likening him, if we're not careful, to our very broken and dysfunctional earthly fathers. I mean, the best of fathers, even the best of fathers, have flaws. You know, I did my best to raise my children, but as I look back, I, it wasn't a flawless performance. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't without some flaws and things that I would go back and do different here or there. But for many, their relationship was just very broken, very dysfunctional. And maybe that is the way it is with you. Maybe that's one of the reasons you struggle with a prayer life is because the minute you say, our Father who art in heaven, or you call upon your Father, the traumatic events of your life suddenly spring forward and seem to block that ability for you to pray. If so, I would just encourage you, you know, to read the gospel accounts. You say, Mark, why read the gospel accounts? Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And I think that nowhere is the face of the Father more clearly seen than in the life of Jesus Christ. And so I'd encourage you to read the gospel and let, and let them shape your new paradigm for your Heavenly Father. Number seven, I think we, we, we struggle to have a praying life because we aren't sure if it really matters or makes any difference to pray. We struggle because we're not sure if it really matters or makes any difference to pray. I, I wish I had more time to talk about this, but I'm just going to kind of put it on the table because, again, this is something I've dealt with, you've dealt with, and we have worked with a lot of people across the years who deal with this, and that is that they're not sure if it really matters, if prayer really makes a difference. Down below the surface is this substrata of, you know, of unbelief that's working there. And oftentimes, when you trace that unbelief back, it goes back to some unanswered prayer or situation in which they were left disappointed with God. Now, again, this is a painful thing we don't like to talk about. But I have worked with way too many people to be able to just not re- be able to brush this aside without realizing how much this affects our prayer life. I know people who've, who prayed for loved ones and believed God promised them that they were going to live, and they didn't. I know of people who prayed for their marriages that they would survive the storm, and they didn't. I know people who prayed that their loved one would return back to them, and they never did. I know people that that prayed for healing, and the healing never came. I know for people that prayed for financial blessings that never came in their life. I, I know for people, I know people who prayed for so many things in their life and thought surely God was going to do whatever it was that they were asking of Him, and and even felt inwardly some sense of assurance that this was going to happen. But it didn't. You know, we love to read the story of, you know, of the three Hebrew children. They would, you know, and we talk about how they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't bend, they wouldn't burn. And that's, that's all exciting. But the truth of the matter is, 
For every one that escaped the flame of the fire, thousands more were burned at the stake. We, we love to read about Daniel being saved in the lion's den, but hey, for every Daniel that was saved, there were thousands that were fed to the lions in the early days of the Roman Empire when Christianity was being persecuted. For everyone whose dead were raised back to life again, there were thousands more whose dead were not raised back to life again. For, for everyone who prayed and received a life of plenty, there are thousands who prayed and died in poverty. I, I think somehow we need to get the reality of that in our, in our minds, and I think it's very important. You know, read over in Hebrews, and it talks about, you know, by faith these people subdued kingdoms, and they did all these things, and then it shifts and said, but there were others, you know, who... who were tortured and afflicted and tormented, wandering about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, tormented, afflicted of who the world was not worthy. And, and, suddenly, and yet they all by faith received a good report. What are, you, what are you saying, Mark? What are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this, that sometimes we have had events happen in our life which we cannot fully understand, nor may we ever understand, this side of heaven. Why did God answer their prayer and not mine? Why did God answer, heal their child but not mine? Why, why did God restore their marriage but not mine? And we can let those things so weigh us down until we're not sure if it really matters or if it makes any difference to pray. Wow, that's a whole subject in itself, isn't it? Dealing with unanswered prayer. I wish I could talk to you more about that, but we'll, we're going to save that for possibly a later episode in the month. Lastly, I think one of the reasons why we struggle with a prayer life is that we don't understand what prayer is or how to even go about establishing this thing called a life of prayer. I don't know that we even understand sometimes what prayer is. You know, I remember when I first got saved at 17, I'll never forget. I went in and I knelt at the couch with my great big old Thompson Chain Reference Bible, and I prayed for everyone. Man, I went over this long list of names and prayed and I prayed and I prayed. and I, I mean, I prayed forever. And finally, seven minutes later, when I quit praying... <laughs> I thought, you know, there's got to be something more to this in prayer. In prayer, there's got to be something more to this than what I just did. There has to be something more to praying than just going down a list of names. And I think for many of us, we've struggled because we've tried all kinds of means and methods and prayer lists, and I'm not against means, methods, prayer lists. I'm not against any of that. But the truth of the matter is, is that prayer is conversation with God. And sometimes conversations can't always be mapped out or structured. Sometimes conversations take on a life of their own as we're in a relationship and talking and sharing with someone we care about. And I think sometimes we, we, we 
hook ourselves to some methodology, and then after we have wrung all the juice out of that method, and it still proves to be empty and something still isn't right, we, we give up, we get discouraged. We don't really even understand. I think for some people, prayer is, is all about getting and receiving. It's all about taking your list to God and, and about getting from God what you want or think you need from God. And again, the Bible clearly tells us that we are to bring our needs to God, for He knows what things we have need of even before we ask Him. I think also, too, for a lot of us, we, we just don't understand what prayer is. We don't understand how to establish a prayer life. As I close, I just want to recommend a book to you, a book that I'm reading that I think may help you if you're struggling with a, having a prayer life. It's called A Praying Life, A Praying Life by Paul E. Miller. It's a great book, a great book published by Nav Press. Uh, Paul Miller is executive director of See Jesus, which is a global discipling mission active in over 30 countries. Uh, it's a great, easy-to-read book. It's a wonderful book. Paul David Tripp on the back made this statement. I agree with him. He says it's a book on prayer that actually makes you want to pray. Again, I just want to recommend this. You can find this on Amazon or different places. Again, A Praying Life, Connecting with God in a Distracting World by Paul E. Miller. Thank you so much for listening today, my friend. Thank you for putting up with this raspy voice. May God bless you. Look to Jesus. He is truly the hope of the world. And if you look to him, you'll find hope along the journey. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about hope along the journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. And we hope you'll join us again for more hope along the journey.